Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. individual isn't growing in his or her knowledge and experience within the Word of God. There's a lot of things that cause absolute confusion to you when you're reading the Word or when you hear somebody preach the Word. It just won't make sense. It just, it just doesn't connect with you. Why? It's not because you can't do it. It's because there's no grounding. There's no foundation really that's in your life. In today's message, Pastor David discusses the importance of a worldview that is formed and patterned after Christ. Paul's defense of his ministry against false teachers was founded in his obedience of Jesus Christ. Through the Holy Spirit, Paul had received wisdom to teach the believers. You and I can also have wisdom given to us through the Holy Spirit of God so that we can understand spiritual matters. God loves us so much that He blesses us with understanding so that we can know Him. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message entitled, The Mind of Christ. didn't come in with some big power trip, some high and mighty apostle of God, you know, can I give you my business card kind of an attitude. He, he, he didn't come telling or, or, or commanding the people to obey his directions or holding any big campaigns or crusades. He came simply as he says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Now, when we think about that, you've got to wonder, Paul the Apostle? In weakness and in fear and much trembling? That, that just doesn't make sense. Why would that be? There's a lot of speculation about that. We could think that maybe because he, he had done everything, quote-unquote, humanly possible there on Mars Hill as he debated with the philosophers and maybe the Lord took him to the woodshed, if you know what I mean, and said, you know, it's, it's not by you being able to debate with the intelligentsia of the age. It's by you sticking to the truth of the simplicity of the gospel. Maybe it's because, again, in, in Paul's life, there was, there was sicknesses, there was different things that were going on. Whatever it was, Paul didn't come to Corinth with the authority that was really his as an apostle. He came with that weakness and in fear and much trembling. Paul's words at that time, they weren't spectacular. They, they weren't deep. He says it himself. His appearance wasn't powerful. His appearance wasn't commanding. But the message that Paul carried was definitely in demonstration of the Spirit and of power that their faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. 
And so these conversions there in Corinth, the, the birth of the church there in that pagan, pagan city, man, that was a powerful work of God. And it happened through the weakness of a mortal man. Can God do that? The simplicity of the word spoken and the Holy Spirit just zero right in on hearts and start changing hearts. I think that every great revival that we can look at through the ages, from the Welsh revival to the revivals that have happened here in the United States in the early days, the ones that were truly, truly significant, it was just the simplicity of preaching, covered much, much by prayer, prior, during, and after that time. And the Holy Spirit just penetrating men and women and young people's hearts. Some not even going to the campaign, but you can read testimonies of people that were literally at, at bars during the campaigns that were going on and during the crusades while the preachers were preaching on the other side of the city, the Holy Spirit falling on men and women because, again, the power of the Holy Spirit and changing lives. I think we're way overdue, amen? amen. We're way overdue. We can have all of the entertainment and all the pizzazz and all the, all the showboating that, that we want, beloved. But if the simplicity of the gospel is not preached, the churches in America are doing no eternal good. We've got to preach the gospel. We've got to preach that our only hope is found in Christ. Our only hope is not in just feeling good on Sunday morning. Our only hope is being drawn to the word of God by the power of God to be interpreted to us and shown to us by the spirit of God in order that the people of God might be changed by God for his glory. That's our only hope. Paul wasn't against wisdom. But he knew that the, the wisdom of God and the teachings of the mystery of God, those were deep waters. And they, they, not everybody was ready for that, those deep things. And he understood that. Verse 6 tells us here, however, we, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, and yet not, not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in mystery, that hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages of our glory, or for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So here Paul weighs the difference between the wisdom of man and the wisdom of God. And wisdom was necessary uh, it, it's always necessary for those that are maturing in their faith. We need to gain wisdom. We need to gain understanding, but not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age. We need to gain in spiritual wisdom. We need to gain in spiritual understanding. And one of the reasons that we encourage you to take classes like the Truth Project is because the vast majority of Christians today are still walking around with a secular world view. The, this truth, I mean, the, the vast majority of believers, they're, they're too drawn into the lie of the world and their real understanding of not only how they ought to live, but my goodness, how we ought to vote, how we ought to live our lives, how we ought to educate our children, all of these things. We, are, we have been drawn into the lies of our secular world. 
And beloved, it's wreaking havoc. It's wreaking havoc on the church, and because it's wreaking havoc on the church, it's wreaking havoc on our nation. And all you have to do is look at our nation over the last 50 years, and many of you in this room can do that. Amen? Amen. Okay. I was just a babe myself, but... Okay, not quite a babe. But we've seen that change. And I wish you could say it was a a change to the better. But I believe that probably every one of us could testify that, that it's just getting more and more immoral in our nation. Why? Why would that be? We've, we've, got, uh, uh, we've got Bibles everywhere. You, you can go to Walmart or Fry's and buy a Bible. You can buy daily devotions at a at, uh, drugstore. You can, you can get on the radio a multitude of Christian stations. You can get on the computer. You can download tons of devotions and Bibles. On my iPad, I've got, gosh, I don't know how many Bibles. I've got over 100 Bibles on my iPad. And uh, the same thing with probably most of your electronics. You have access to that. We have so much available to us, and yet our nation continues continues to spiral down because we have the wrong worldview as the church. We're not moving in the wisdom of God. We're trying to do the work of God in the wisdom of man and the wisdom of this present age. And beloved, that's what's messing things up. That's what's messing, turning us upside down and not right side up. We still work and operate under secular worldview, the logic and that limited wisdom of man. There's many who profess Christ as Savior today, and yet they're not mature in the faith. I say that to the shame of us as pastors and to the church itself. Many have been believers for five years, for a decade or two decades or three decades or four decades or more, and they're still immature. Elsewhere, the word says, man, by now you ought to be teachers of the word. In fact, uh, Paul tells us that really quickly, that you ought to be teachers of the word, but I'm still having to feed you milk. I can understand that in a first century church where they didn't have the word available to them, where they didn't have so much resource available to them to learn and to grow within the knowledge of the scripture. But beloved, we have everything available to us. We have no excuse. It's common in the church today for people to have been, yes, I received Christ 25, 30 years ago. Would you mind leading a devotion? Would you mind teaching a bit of the word of God? Oh, I couldn't do that. I don't know enough about it. We'll get into more of that later, especially when we get into chapter three. In chapter three, I'll just touch on it, but at the very beginning of it, Paul says, brethren, I couldn't speak to you as spiritual people. I had to speak to you as carnal people, as babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you weren't even able to receive it. And even now you're still not able because you're still carnal. I wonder what Paul would say to the church today. I think he would weep. Knowing all the resources and all the advantages that we have. Not being under persecution. 
having absolute freedom, and yet still being in that situation. Back in chapter 2, he he speaks here about the difference between immature believers and and mature believers, or carnal versus spiritual. That's the difference he's making here in chapter 2. There's simply some things uh, that, that in the faith that immature carnal believers, they're just not going to understand. Not because they're uneducated, but because they are spiritually dull. Okay? Just spiritually dull. If an individual isn't growing in his or her knowledge and experience within the Word of God, there's a lot of things that are going to cause absolute confusion to you when you're reading the Word or when you hear somebody preach the Word. It just won't make sense. It just, it just doesn't connect with you. Why? It's not because you can't do it. It's because there's no grounding. There's no foundation, really, that's in your life. Now, moving on here, Paul, Paul speaks about the rulers of the age that, that are coming to nothing. He's speaking, yeah, about worldly leaders, politicians and and otherwise. They have great influence in the world. And even today, they have this great influence within the world. And they seem to be so successful. They they, they have everything that the world has to offer them. Just like suddenly, as I was talking about all the billionaires, 1,826 billionaires in the world today. Looks like they're really successful. But in the long run of things... If they don't know Christ, they have nothing. Nothing. Do you really understand that? And that's one thing that I think that even as the church, sometimes we really struggle with. We say, oh, they got billions and billions of dollars, but they don't have anything. In the back of our minds, we say, well, yeah, they sure do. They got a lot of things. They got a lot more than I got. Because we're looking with a secular worldview. We're not looking with a true biblical worldview. We're not looking with a viewpoint to heaven and saying, man, I don't care what you drive or where you live or how fat your bank account is. If you ain't got Christ, you ain't got nothing. And that's the reality and the truth that you and I as believers need to be ingrained into our heads and our hearts and our minds because the world out there is lost and dying because the world out there is going to hell and not in a handbasket. It's going on a jet plane as fast and as powerful as it possibly can. Paul's warning the church, don't chase after these temporary things. He says, pursue after the kingdom and the wisdom of God. Pursue after those things that are going to last for eternity. He speaks about the mystery of God here and that mystery of God. That's a major theme, major theme in a lot of the writings of Paul. No less than 20 times throughout Paul's letters, he makes mention of the mystery. Sometimes he, he speaks about the mystery of Christ. Other times he speaks about the mystery of God or the mystery of godliness or the mystery of his will or the fellowship of the mystery or the mystery of Christ and the church, or the mystery of the gospel, the mystery of the faith. He even speaks about the mystery of lawlessness. So what's all this mystery? I believe that the mystery, again, is this whole plan of God. This plan of God that was formatted in ages before even creation took place. The plan of God that was formatted in eternity past 
and that was fulfilled in and through Jesus Christ. You see, that's the mystery. You think, why in the world would God plan and purpose to send his son for me? Why, why would God even do that? Man, that's a mystery to me. Why would God plan on sending his son to crucify him? And yes, oh yes, to resurrect him also. And again, that was already the plan of God before the rulers of the ages crucified him. God had this totally radical, this amazing plan that included the sacrifice of his son for the sins of the world. And he had already planned it. He had purposed it to redeem the world back to himself way back in eternity past. How does that all work? Like I told you, it's a mystery. It is a mystery. And if Paul can use the word mystery, I'm okay using the word mystery. If leaders of this present age had understood a little bit about that mystery, the power of the crucifixion, the the reality and the power of the resurrection of Christ, Paul says they would have never crucified him because they would have realized that, man, with his crucifixion, that was the payment for the sin of the world. He took upon himself the sin of mankind. Well, let's not crucify him. We don't want that to happen because that then makes access and makes open the way for mankind to have relationship with God Almighty. And the rulers of this age, believe me, they're not desiring to please God Almighty. No, they're desiring to please the the leader of this world, Satan himself. They wouldn't have done it because of the great benefit that it brings all that come to Christ. Then, here in verse 9, Paul quotes from Isaiah as, as he declares in verse 9, as, as it's written, eye has not seen and ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. For those who love him. You know what God has prepared for you? No, you don't. You don't have a clue. <laughs> we think we do. But I don't think we can really understand in our human and and limited understanding. We hear stories of people going to heaven and they're there for, you know, uh, know, 90 minutes and they come back or 10 minutes or whatever the stories are. I I don't think they can even begin to explain and describe really and truly what you and I are going to experience. I believe that it is truly and totally indescribable. When, when, when you look at the Apostle John writing in the book of Revelation, and he's grasping at words, trying to make a visual picture for you and I, a, a logical picture for you and I, a, a, a mortal picture for you and I of something that's inexplanatory, something that's immortal, something that is beyond our realm. You see, I believe that's the way heaven is. And beloved, Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Oh, how he loves you and me. How he loves you and me. He gave his life. What more could he give? Oh, how he loves you. Oh, how he loves me. And he has a great plan for us the normal course of human wisdom and human understanding, it comes through natural eyes, through 
natural ears, through the natural mind or heart of man. And yet the plans of God aren't discerned that way. And although they haven't been shown or proclaimed clearly, Paul tells us that they're going to be made known to the children of God through the Holy Spirit of God. It's going to be the Spirit that ignites and excites your heart for what God has in store. I don't think we're ever going to know it fully, but I believe that it's the Spirit of God that stirs our hearts in this. He says in verse 10, God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? And even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Nothing is hidden from the spirit of God, by the way. No, not even that. No, not even that. Nothing is hidden from the spirit of God. He shares in that, that, that divine attribute of omniscience, knowing all things. An infinite number of things about God are always going to remain hidden from our human mind. Even those hidden thoughts of God, the Holy Spirit knows, because he is God. One of the Godhead, and again, uh, the the reliable source for you and I as humans is, again, the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. None of this insight comes from human wisdom. Uh, The Corinthians didn't know it. Corinthians didn't understand it. And you and I, even with all the training and the education and the learning that we've had, we still don't understand it outside of what the Holy Spirit reveals to us. Outside the revealing work of the Holy Spirit within the hearts of true believers... Through the word, through the message and the mystery of God, God's plans and purposes, none of that stuff makes sense outside of the Spirit of God. The word that he uses here for revealed, the Greek word is apokalupto. Now it's a compound word, apo, that that means off or to take away. And the word kalupto, that, that means to cover up. And together it means to take away the cover-up, or to reveal. And apocalypto is where we get our other transliterated word, apocalypse, which means revelation. Revelation. You see, it's the Holy Spirit that gives us the revelation of who God is and what God's plans and purposes are for us. This is only the case for the redeemed. The world doesn't get this revelation. They don't understand it. They don't understand you. They don't understand the word. And and I've had probably a dozen people in my lifetime and witnessing and sharing with them. I probably had about a dozen people that said, you know, I've read the Bible. I've read the Bible two times, three times. Oh, I studied the Bible for a while and it just doesn't make sense to me. Well, you know what? If you gave me a Chinese Bible... And I look through it, and I look through it, and I look through it, and every day I look through it. Since I don't know Chinese, it wouldn't make any sense to me. You see, these things are spiritual things, and unless the Holy Spirit of God is in them, they're not going to understand it either. We're 
are so glad you joined us today on The Open Word for Pastor David Landry's verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter teaching through the book of 1 Corinthians. You can find more messages from Pastor David and information about The Open Word by visiting our website, theopenword.com. If you're looking for a home church and are in the Casa Grande area, why not join us for a time of worship and Bible study? Calvary Chapel Casa Grande has services each Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. on Wednesdays and Saturdays. You can find location information and directions by going to theopenword.com and following the links to the church homepage. Now here's Pastor David with some information on how you can help support the ministry of The Open Word. Hey, I love being able to share the Word of God with you through this radio ministry. Radio programs like The Open Word are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. But as with any ministry, there are expenses. I know God is blessing His children through The Open Word, and God has given us a vision to see this ministry expand and reach even further. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word? Log on to theopenword.com and simply click on the support option to help us continue to grow. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all the time we have for today. But join us again as we continue digging deeper into the book of 1 Corinthians, right here on The Open Word.